This is I Choose Life News and Views, sponsored by Indiana Right to Life and Right to Life of Northeast Indiana, committed to defending innocent human life for all people of all ages. Your hosts are Kathy Humbarger, Abigail Lorenzen, and Scott Kump. Welcome to I Choose Life News and Views. I'm Kathy Humbarger. I'm Abigail Lorenzen. And I'm Scott Kump. I Choose Life News and Views is produced by Bot Radio Network in Fort Wayne in cooperation with Indiana Right to Life as well as Right to Life of Northeast Indiana. And now, the pro-life news. Judge Amy Coney Barrett has been confirmed to the U.S. Supreme Court, and not everyone is happy about it. The Girl Scouts of America had used their social media accounts to congratulate Justice Barrett for being the fifth woman ever confirmed to the high court. Then the complaints came in from the far left, and even though individuals on the left and the right defended and showed their appreciation for the post, the Girl Scouts removed the post, lamenting that it was, quote, quickly viewed as a political and partisan statement, end quote. It should be noted that the supposedly partisan post featured portraits of all five historic women, most of whom have established a reputation for leaning or even lunging toward the left, such as Elena Kagan, Sonia Sotomayor, and the late Ruth Bader Ginsburg. The Girl Scouts of America had previously shared a 2013 Huffington Post article from Hillary Clinton, which promoted female leadership in politics. To the best of my knowledge, the Girl Scouts did not feel the need to remove or apologize for that post. Life Defenders is a pro-life apologetics workshop where you receive information that will equip you to speak confidently and graciously on the most pressing moral injustice of our time, legalized abortion. Join Abigail Lorenzen of Right to Life of Northeast Indiana on Saturday, November 14th from 9 a.m. to noon at First Assembly of God on West Washington Center Road in Fort Wayne. The cost is only $5. Coffee and donuts provided. To register, visit ichooselife.org. That's ichooselife.org. If you or someone you know is in a crisis pregnancy, help is just a phone call away. Call 877-791-5475. If you or someone you know is dealing with grief and pain after an abortion decision, whether you had an abortion, convinced someone else to have an abortion, or even participated in a procedure, call 877-791-5475. You'll be referred to a Pregnancy Resource Center in your area, a place where free and confidential services are available. That's 877-791-5475. Today, we have with us our guest, Serena Dykeson, and she's been on once before, but it was about a year ago. Um, when Dr. Klopfer died and all of the abandoned babies were found on his property. So she was one of the women who came out sort of of the woodwork and called us and said, hey, I'm wondering if one of those babies is mine. And so we were able to build a really great relationship now with Serena and appreciate having her on the pro-life team. And she in turn has started her own ministry and written a book and is really doing wonderful things. So also based in Indiana. So it's nice to have, again, another team member who's close by, um, but doing different work than what Right to Life is. So thanks, Serena, for joining us today. 
Yes, thank you so much. Um, thank you for having me. I just love the relationship that we have built, and it's just good to link arms and just move forward with helping women choose life and also help women find healing. So thank you. Yeah, like I said, thanks for being on with us. We'd love to have our friends on. We are also airing this when we are because we have a book signing coming up and Serena is one of our authors who's going to be there. So we have two books. The first is Serena's, which is She Found His Grace and that's her story. And then the second book is Inwood Drive by The Archers, which is the documentary about Ulrich Klopfer and his abortion clinic on Inwood Drive. So they did, that may sound familiar to some people um, because they did the documentary film on it. And now this is the book version. So November 4th, downtown Fort Wayne at the University of St. Francis's Business Center up in the top floor is the Historic Women's Club. So it's a very cool space. So we'll have Serena and we'll also have the Archers um, with their books. You can come and talk to them about the process, about their actual experiences, have them sign the book. We also may have some other guests joining us that will be interesting to talk to as well. And there'll be coffee and scones. So it should just be a wonderful evening, six to eight on November 4th at the University of St. Francis Business Center. So hope to see you guys there. Serena, why don't you give us some background here? So your story obviously is going to be built into your book. So we don't want to almost do too many spoilers, though I'm sure your Mm -hmm. book has plenty in and of itself (laughs) to offer. But let's give listeners, in case they missed that interview a year ago when you were on with us right after Klopfer's death, why don't you give us your story? Um, Yes. So when I was 13 years old, I was sexually assaulted by an uncle and my parents took me to our family physician and found out that I had an unplanned pregnancy And they were really just looking for help. And the help that was offered was an abortion. And so we were referred to uh, Clawford's Clinic. And at that time, I had never heard the word abortion before. I had no idea what it was. And, you know, before we even went to the clinic, we were told that people outside hated us. And I now know that that's a lie. That was just one of the employees of the abortion industry to keep us from real help being offered. So once we actually got to the clinic, I was separated from my parents and they talked to me. The thing I remember was just saying that it was a clump of cells. And I that's I thought I was at a doctor's office. I thought that they were going to help. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how they were going to help. I had no idea. So when they asked if I was ready for the abortion, I, I just said yes. And uh, the first time I met George was when he walked in the room and He smiled and he said, this won't take long. And um, what happened was horrific and it forever changed our our lives. Um, My mom, they sent me out of the clinic a mess. I was in pretty bad shape. Are you talking physically or emotionally or both? Um, Well, and when I stood up in the recovery room, I hemorrhaged everywhere and, and George never checked on me. They just sent me out the door. My dad actually carried me out over his shoulder because I was so weak. So it was traumatic for all of us. And what they sold us as help was not help at all. And and that my mom ended up having a mental breakdown and my dad, he eventually left our family and I struggled both emotionally, physically, and spiritually for a long time. And my physical 
the physical parts ended up in a complete hysterectomy. I, I had an ovary rupture. I almost died. And miscarriage and the grief and just all sorts of things compiled. It was trauma after trauma. And, you know, when I was 16, I got pregnant again. And once again, the abortion industry tried to sell us the lie that we were in, we were in school, we were young, we were poor, we should abort our baby. And at that point, my husband, we've been married for 27 years. He looked at me in the, in the parking lot and he grew up in the church, but they never talked about abortion. And so he, he asked me, he said, what do you think about having an abortion? And that was the first time I had shared my story with him. Oh, And so, yeah, he did not know, he did not know about my assault. He did not know about my abortion. He didn't know that those things. And that day he just looked at me and he said, I don't know how we'll figure this thing out, but we'll figure it out. And we chose life that day. And we both finished high school and I went to school. I was a mom and I had the help of church and my in-laws. They were awesome. A family took me in um, when things were not going well at home Mm -hmm. and they just loved me so well. And just with such a support to help me in the process, it wasn't this, they just helped me choose life, but they went up and beyond to just really love us well. So we ended up getting married my husband's senior year, and uh, we actually got married at 10 o'clock in the morning, and he graduated high school at 7 o'clock that night, and (laughs) I don't recommend that. (laughs) That sounds like a big day. (laughs) It was a huge day, but you don't know what you don't know, right? Right. And so we we got married, and then when, when I graduated, I was pregnant again, and then by the time we were 23, we, we bought our first house and we thought, we're beating the odds. We're doing so good. We're doing so good. And we just didn't realize how the abortion would affect our lives. We never tied it to that because that was supposed to help us, right? And so we ended up having another family crisis um, when my kids were in middle school. And it became clear that I had not healed from my past abortion or or my rape. And my life just went out of control. I was drinking every day. I had started using drugs. I moved out of our house. I, I felt like I was not worthy enough to be a wife and a mother. Like I just felt like I did not deserve them. And that was the lie that I believed. And so I was just anything to numb that pain. That's what I was doing. There was one particular night where I had gone out with some friends and I drank way too much. And I knew, I knew that I should not be driving. I knew it, but I was selfish. I was thinking about myself and not anybody else. I just didn't want to go to jail. That's what it boiled down to for me that night. And uh, I started texting people to come get me and no one would come and get me. I had burned my bridges and, uh, and rightfully so, I deserve that because, you know, it, it gets old at three o'clock in the morning getting phone calls and it's not funny anymore. And so I deserve that. And uh, I sat in my car that night and I just started praying and crying. And I just said, Lord, I don't have anything but you. I don't have anybody. And uh, that night, God just met me and lavished me in a love that I had never felt in my life. And I knew that it was time to go home both spiritually and physically. And by God's grace, I made it home and my husband welcomed me home. And uh, I began my healing process, which was really, really hard because it is hard to face 
those emotions and to walk through that process. It's really, really hard. My counselor went to my church. So in my head, I was like, I don't want him to go back and tell people in my church. That was Mm. the lie that I believed that Mm -hmm. he would tell people in my church. So I talked to him about my rape, but I'd never, I didn't talk to him about my abortion. I just didn't want anybody to know that. And it wasn't until a friend invited me to see the movie Unplanned and I had no idea what that movie was. I went to that movie and I sat in that movie and it was like watching my life unfold in front of my eyes. And I was like, oh my goodness. And it's, it was at that movie that I felt that I heard the Holy Spirit say, now's the time to tell the rest of your story. And so I began telling my story. I reached out to Right to Life in, in South Bend. They were the first people that I sent my story to. And I just wanted to reach women before they went into the clinic. That was my heart. And I was so clueless. I didn't even know that was a thing. I didn't know anything <laughs> about sidewalk counseling. Yeah. And I often giggle that God's picked probably the most clueless person <laughs> because like, I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> but It's I, this it novel was, idea <laughs> that we might try to stop women before they go in. I know. I had no idea. Yeah, I had great. no idea. It was not <laughs> part of my world. It was not part of any, it was never on my radar. And so it was at the clinic that God just laid it on my heart to do a memorial service. And I was like, okay. And I, I went through this planning part of it, but then I was like, I kind of freaked out a little bit because I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. So at that point, the Lord just gave me a piece about it. And so I planned this memorial service for September 12th. And it was the night before that the news of George broke. I was just so devastated. And that night I prayed again. And I was like, God, is is my baby one of the babies? And just the Holy Spirit saying, you know what? Your baby and all the babies are with me. And why do you think I asked you to tell the rest of the story? And ever since then, we've just been, you know, I I wrote my book. We have a ministry now that helps women walk through healing so that they are in a a good place to share God's grace and love and mercy, and also to be able to reach women who might be thinking of uh, having an abortion in a healthy way. And uh, we're just so excited to see what God is doing. And there's just so many women that just had no idea going to the clinic. They had no idea. And then hearing the news of George hoarding the babies, Mm -hmm. that was just devastating for them. We're just loving them and uh, allowing the Lord to just put a healing balm on hearts. So Wonderful. Mm -hmm. Well, if you're joining us partway through the program here, uh, we're on air with Serena Dykeson, author of She Found His Grace. And if that sounds familiar, it's because it's also the name of her ministry. And she's been telling us her story, which is an incredible one. But also we are featuring her because on November 4th in downtown Fort Wayne, we are doing a book signing with Serena and her book, She Found His Grace. And then also The Archers and their book, Inwood Drive, which is the documentary about Ulrich Klopfer and his clinic on Inwood Drive. So that's November 4th, uh, 6 to 8 p.m., in the USF Business Center up on the top floor is the Historic Women's Club. So we'll be up there with coffee and scones and books and authors. And it will be a wonderful cerebral little evening. If it's raining, I feel like that's appropriate because like it'll be so cozy up there. So Serena will be there with us. 
And I want to take sort of the second half of the interview now, Serena, and kind of work through some themes that I heard pop up that I feel like we don't get to talk about enough. And Mm -hmm. some of these I've talked with you about a year ago when the Klopfer babies were found because they're, again, they're things that I feel like people inside the pro-life movement don't always understand. And when we Mm -hmm. shed light on those things, then we have a better understanding to help people who are post-abortive. The first one that I wanted to hit on is you mentioned feeling unworthy. You were unworthy to have a family. You were unworthy to be a parent. And that is something we hear all the time from people who are post-abortive. What I think is remarkable about you saying that is that your abortion was not anything of your doing, that you were raped and then your parents took you into the doctor and nobody actually took the time to explain to you what was going on. You thought they were going to help. And of course you let your doctors help you. Like that's why we have them. And that even though none of it was your fault, you still had this feeling of responsibility and the guilt. And then on top of that, the unworthiness. So I wanted to ask you, what do you think, like where does that unworthiness anchor? What was that attached to for you? You know, for me, I think once I figured out what abortion really was, that was devastating for me because it was like, man, I would have never, ever chose to end someone's life. That's not who I am. And so for me, it was just walking through this. I should have said this. I should have done this. Mm -hmm. I should have like all those should have. And I think through my healing process, what the most empowering thing for me was to find my voice, you know, and also speak into other women and and just the message of God was there with me. And just to have that voice of like, okay, I didn't say anything then because it was just a mess, right? Like I was a target, but just knowing now that I have the voice to speak out. And so I think for me, it was just that whole thing of like, man, sitting in the should have and, you know, God just giving me that freedom of like, okay, you're my daughter and I love you and you are worthy because you are my daughter. We can't fix the should have, but we can walk in what is now and just give voice to that. So that was kind of where I struggled the most, I think, of um, just I should have, but I didn't and I didn't know. And one of the things that we say in our ministry is we don't know what we don't know, right? So, you know, we just learn from that and we teach others, you know, you have a voice. Yeah. So that's where it is for me. And just knowing that I am a daughter, I am a daughter and I'm so loved by the King. One thing that came up over and over and over again Mm -hmm. a year ago when all the news broke was Mm -hmm. this misunderstanding about women's regret of abortions. People were saying things like, I don't understand why women care whether or not their babies were in with these hoarded babies because they got the abortion in the first place. Why do they care about their baby? Oh my goodness. Yeah. What people need to understand is there are many reasons why women end up at abortion clinics. I talk to women who never want to go to that clinic and they are in an abusive relationship or um, their parents are saying, you're going to go get an abortion because we don't want the people in church talking. And, you know, it's just this whole thing of, all these different circumstances. And then there are some women that will say, I did choose to have an abortion and immediately I regretted it because it was like, why did I think that was the right thing to do? Like I bought a lie. 
So these women, they've sat in a secret for all of these years, you know, like 30 some years later and whatever, you know, 10 years, whatever. And even women currently, like there's women right now that will go for an abortion and the next day, hour, even hours later, they're like, what did I do? And so, you know, for them, those were their children. Those were their babies. They were mothers. They were fathers. And like I said, once again, you know, that statement of we don't know what we don't know. And that's why we share like, hey, you know, these are going to be the circumstances behind, you know, the this is what's going to play out. And we're truthful. We meet these women with grace and truth. And um, these women are just mourning the loss of their children and, and they have to process that. So I saw a statistic and it's been a few years now. I'd be interested to see if there's an updated one. But this particular study said that of the women that they surveyed from the U.S. who had had abortions, 68% of them said that they were coerced into the abortion. So not talked into it, not persuaded, but forced, coerced into it. 68%. That is a huge number of women for whom there's no decision involved. There's no choice. There's no options. They're being forced into it. It is sort of it is the same situation as you. You're part of that statistics mm-hmm. arena where yeah. you you don't have a say for however that plays out. You don't have a say. And yet that guilt and the feeling of responsibility still ends up weighing on you. Mm-hmm. And that brings me to the next thing that I was hoping you could talk a little more about. And that is, you mentioned that even though you were seeing a counselor, you had this shame and guilt that kept you from talking about your abortion to him. And you mentioned that he was in your church and so you were scared he was going to say something. But Mm -hmm. even that idea that the church can't know, that your own family of faith can't know that you had an abortion. One of the things that we are encouraging pastors all the time about is to talk about abortion because not talking about it simply means that it's the unforgivable sin. It keeps people who are post-abortive in that shame and guilt because you're not saying that Christ forgives for that. That's absolutely right. And that's what women will say all the time. They'll say, I feel like I can never be forgiven because my pastor doesn't talk about it. And we're desperate to know that we can be forgiven. And, you know, and it's destroying families. I have to think how many couples have gone through divorce because of this and just so many hurting people in our churches, just that hurt that these families are setting in they're like, okay, we, we can't talk about it. And then also, if we're not talking about it, how many people go from the church pew to the abortion clinic and how many parents are saying to their kids, you know what, we can't let other people know that you you have an unplanned pregnancy. How much hurt is in the churches? Yeah, It's too bad because there's forgiveness and God wants to meet these men and women with that grace and that mercy and that forgiveness so that they can find freedom. And so that is a huge thing that I, I talk about all the time because we want to offer support for those young moms that are faced with the unplanned pregnancy. The church that met me with that love and grace, oh my goodness, like they had a baby shower for us, oh. our youth group. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, this youth group having a baby shower for us and they just loved us. Of course, they talked to us and said, hey, you know, like what you guys are doing is not right. And we want you guys to write the ship. And and you know what? We're so thankful for that. And it wasn't in a shaming way at all. They met us with love. And, and you know, now that I'm telling my abortion story, 
you know what? Most people in the church are awesome. <laughs> and, you know, they've met me with so much love. And it's opened the conversation because I know some people are like, we've been so convicted of how we talk about things and how that might affect someone going and getting an abortion. So really sharing my story in the churches, I really want that to be an eye opener for the churches and also for women to just come forward for that healing. And that's our hope too, that as we move Mm -hmm. forward, you know, each day that passes that our churches become more and more understanding, more and more compassionate because Christ does offer forgiveness for all of these things. It's not like whether or not you are condoning out of wedlock pregnancies, that's mm-hmm. a totally separate issue. And like you said, we can still come to those people and say, hey, being unfaithful because you're not married mm-hmm. is an issue and that needs to be changed. But mm-hmm. babies are a blessing however they come to us. And so we're going to support you and celebrate this baby and mm-hmm. also help you, like you said, right the ship. So a prayer that our churches continue in that compassionate and in that forgiveness and that they are communicating the love and grace of God that he gives so freely. I mean, it doesn't make any sense for us to not communicate because of how freely he gives it. Amen to that. You know, (laughs) that's just how our ministry was birthed of God meeting us. Like, you know, I'm that God's grace. I was touched by his love and his mercy of lavish love that he wanted to give a post-abortive woman a lavish love. And oh my goodness. And there's so much freedom in that. And so it is so freeing. Yeah. I, and that is my encouragement to the women who might be, might have an abortion in their past that, you know, he wants to lavish them in love and he wants to meet, you know, we can meet his grace and love. He wants to give it freely. And not just women, but also men who were involved in abortion decisions or parents and actually their grandparents, right? Who have now lost their grandchild. Everybody that's affected by those ripples um, can, of course, access that forgiveness and grace. Absolutely. Thanks, Serena, for joining us today. Thanks for joining us on November 4th here coming up in the future. Six to eight again at the University of St. Francis Business Center in downtown Fort Wayne. Um, For the book signing, She Found His Grace by Serena. And also the Archer's Inwood Drive documentary. And Serena, if somebody isn't able to join us because they're in a different part of the state or they got something else going on on that Wednesday night, where can they find your book? It's on Amazon, right? Right. You can go to Amazon. You can also visit our website, serenadykeson.com. They can uh, purchase our book there. You can also, we have a community for anybody that's walked through abortion. They can sign up for our community. We do a, we screen it and it's private and it's online, but then we also will have retreats as well. And so um, they can sign up for that as well. Even if they just need someone to just tell their story and know that it's going to be confidential and they just need to tell someone we're there for that as well. Wonderful. Well, thanks so much, Serena, and we'll see you on the 4th. Okay. Thank you guys so much. I'm looking forward to it. The archers who will also be at the book signing will be our guests on next week's I Choose Life News and Views broadcast. To learn more about their film and book, both titled In Wood Drive, go to fearlessfeatures.org. 
You've been listening to I Choose Life News and Views. If you have questions about this program or if you'd like to support the fight for life, please call 260-471-1849 or go to ichooselife.org because without the right to life, no other rights matter. Thank you.